You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. So we've been looking at what's going through your mind. And specifically the last week, the previous week, we looked at your emotions. But what goes through your mind will happen in time. What you are meditating upon will affect your life. Just because you're ignoring some feelings doesn't mean it's gone. When you open a fridge and you smell something bad in the fridge and you close the door, doesn't mean that which is smelling on the inside is gone. As a matter of fact, the longer you leave it in there, the more it's going to smell. Amen. So you want to deal with those things. Most of our emotions that hurt us that torment us are things from the past. Things that people have said, things that people have done. Family, the first thing that you have to know and realize is that those that have hurt you in the past, they do not hold your future. But while you are looking back at those hurts, thinking upon and meditating upon those people, you cannot move forward. So it's those very things keeping you back. Ask yourself, what are the things that you are focusing upon? What are the things that you are meditating upon? The things you think upon, what is going through your mind will happen in time. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Exodus. Fear, anxiety, anger, bitterness. These are all things that are on the inside of man, not on the outside. These are the sins you cannot see with your eyes. These are the dangerous sins. Those hurts from the past that's caused bitterness, anger, resentment. Those are the things that are really dangerous. Because as a Christian, you are called to walk by faith. But the faith that really pleases God, the faith that's effective, is a faith that works through love. So those hurts of the past, those pains of the past, those things that affect your emotions, they're affecting your love walk. A Christian should be, when it comes to emotions, actually very stable. But we don't find it. Jesus can love you the whole time the same because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can love you in that way because he is spirit. He is God. Just think about your own emotions. The one day it's up, the one day it's down. But as a Christian, our emotion should be stable, should be constant. I'm going to show you this morning the path to help you to get your emotions a bit more stable. Who of you know you're a bit too emotional? Just raise your hand. Who of you know you are led more by your emotions, your feelings, than anything else? Listen what the Bible says. Exodus 14 verse 13. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Turn to the person next to you and say, Do not be afraid. Family, 
He was saying to them, do not be afraid of the future. Do not be afraid of what's coming from behind. Do not be afraid of what's waiting for you. I'm going with you. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Egypt is a place of bondage. It's a place of disappointment. It's a place of slavery. God was saying, I'm disconnecting you from your place of failure. Disappointment, hurt, punishment, slavery. And I'm taking you to the promised land. That water there symbolizes also baptism with water. Many people cannot move forward because they've never been baptized. You think baptism is something ordinary. There's a lot of power in it. Because it signifies, it's the outward sign of what inwardly has happened. When you believe that you have died with Christ and that you've been made alive with Christ, it's easy to baptize you. Because then we can bury you and we can lift you up. But when somebody is still alive, it's very difficult to bury them. That's just some free advice. There's three baptisms, just quickly. Baptism with the blood in Egypt. Blood against the doorposts. They didn't have to do anything. They could sit in their homes and enjoy the meal and the angel of death would pass them by. Salvation. The next is the sea, the water that opened up. They went through the water. The water closed up and buried the Egyptians. They went through, risen in Christ, and then the cloud started following them or leading them. By day and by night, baptism in the Holy Spirit. So you must be born again, accept the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be baptized. Will the angel of death pass you by? If you just have the blood, yes. But getting into the promised land requires obedience. You should ask yourself, have you been baptized? And if not, you should ask yourself, why? Don't to the person next to you say, this is a Christian church. They will ask you these kind of questions. Family, listen to me. Remember, those that have hurt you in the past does not hold your future, but God holds your future. And because God holds your future, there's no need for fear to grip your heart. The Bible says in the last days, men's hearts will fail them. Because they worry about the future. The Bible says it's the seedfulness of riches. Cares of this world that chokes the word of God out of our hearts. We start to worry. Why do you think Jesus said, I, your Father in heaven is aware of the fact that you need all these things. But my advice to you is seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added. But we've taken our focus off Jesus and placed it upon the add-ons. And now you're looking at those things the whole time. It's troubling your heart. There's a thing in the church being preached that the more spiritual you are, the more money you'll have. 
or the more cars you will have. Some of you have believed it. God wants to bless you. But the first area where you should prosper in is your spiritual life. Because God is after your heart, not your money. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 9. Family, there's a need in the church for emotional maturity. There's a need for emotional maturity. Just drive to work tomorrow and see how mature your emotions are. Just go through one day with the people that you work and see how mature you are when it comes to emotions. When they said, why didn't you do this? But they never even asked you to do it. Am I talking to the right people here this morning? There's enough reason to get offended every day. And offense is one of the things that affects your emotions. If you want to serve God in the right way, the psalmist said, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord. Christianity is about the purity of our hearts. Your heart can be filled with faith. But every day, negative thoughts are bombarding your mind. When you open a newspaper, when you switch on the radio, when you look at something on the TV, you that are on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, you have certain alerts. And they're not the positive thought for the day. It's mostly negative things. You want to know about news about this? What's happening to the Rand dollar on this side? What's happening to the property market? So you're getting negative information the whole time. You've programmed your phone to receive that. And all those things affect your emotions. Can you imagine they did this? We have a generation today that are thrill seekers. Looking for things, for their emotions to go up and down. Roller coaster rides are getting higher and higher and higher. Want to jump off buildings. Skateboarding. These are relevant things. And it's become the norm and it's very normal. But all these things affect our emotions. Because of a thrill that we want. An experience that we want. A feeling that we are looking after or seeking. All advertising that's going on is selling you an emotion. A happy place. Do this now and you will have this kind of a peace. Take out this contract now and you can all phone all your friends. Limitless messages. Mom, I must have that. Mom, I must have that. This friend at school has got it. He must get it for me as well. And you think being able to send messages to all your friends will give you peace. If you don't have the latest of the latest, you don't have peace. Can you see how you're setting yourself up for your emotions to be on a roller coaster? Because the next thing is now you'll start comparing yourself to the person next to you. There's no competition in destiny. Because we are all unique 
we are made differently. God looks at your heart to see what's going on. He wants you to worship Him, to love Him with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul. It means all your energy, your whole being. Your emotions to be aligned with heaven. And you know what? God looks right into your heart and He can see where your heart is at. What you are thinking about right now, meditating upon this, it's not an uncommon thing. It's been going on since the days of the Bible. You know that? You know kings face that? You know prophets face these kind of things? You think just because you're a man of God, you don't have to deal with your emotions, your feelings? Do you know she bite? Now you be quiet. You know she bite. I'm a shepherd. You know she bite. You're shocked. It's like you've never, never known a sheep could bite. Okay. Some of this, you know some sheep. You know some sheep that got a hold of you. You're still offended with them. You think because they can just bite you, they cannot bite a pastor. The people that have hurt you in the past does not hold your future. Moses was saying, let go of those emotions. Let go of those emotions of hurt, of bitterness. Of wrongdoing. They're the very things keeping you back. They're the very things making your emotional maturity keeping you immature when it comes to those things. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His love is constant like this the whole time. If Jesus was led by his emotions when he was on the cross. And your sin and my sin was poured on him. And his father turned his face away. That moment of feeling alone and carrying the burden on his own. If he was led by his feelings, he would have said, it's enough. But because he remained focused and was not led by his feelings and the pain of your sin and my sin, your sickness and my sickness, can you see the need for emotional maturity in the church right now? But we've become so sensitive, so touchy. As South Africans, we're very emotional. We're very touchy. Hello? We really, we're very. We're a nation that's like, we are led by our feelings. Now you're very quiet. Not one amen. What do you know? like feeling this way. God wants you to be well balanced. Don't you the person next to you say, I need to be well balanced. Psalm 91, the Amplified says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable. You need stability. But if your thoughts are not stable... The one day you think God is for you, the next day you think God is against you. The next day you think God loves you, the other day you think God hates you. The one day you think God wants to help you, the other day you think God does not want to help you. And you're led by your emotions, whereas faith is not a feeling. 1 Peter 5 verse 8. Be well balanced, temperate, sober of mind 
family be well balanced. The way that you get stability is by looking more at the word of God than looking at your situation and circumstances. Getting the word's opinion about your life and not the people around you, what they are saying about you. If I have to go by what people said about me when we started the church, there should not be a church today. But we just held on to one little scripture. There it is, Isaiah 40 verse 9. O Zion, church, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, Bernard, you who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say to the cities of South Africa, behold your God. After that, if you read on, he talks about being a shepherd. He says, hold them, keep them in your arm, protect them, be a shepherd. He said, yes, Lord, thank you. I'm going to hold on to that. When it came to speaking, I was not a natural speaker, public speaker. My whole high school career or time at school, I had the same speech from grade 8 to matric, and that's it. And I tried to finish it as soon as possible. The first time the pastor asked me to, to just do an announcement, my legs were shaking like this. I even pronounced the pastor's name wrong. Because <laughs> all my butterflies were flying in all different directions. They were playing Pac-Manian inside of my stomach. I still have butterflies today. They just now fly very ordered and disciplined like this. But I still have butterflies today. Amen. By the grace of God, I hope I never leave that. Because it helps. It reminds me that I need God. God's presence. I need to get God's opinion. Otherwise, I would have run away a long time ago. Let me show you from the Word of God. Turn with, with me in your Bibles to 1 Kings 19. You know, people think they're the only one going through it, and that's what the devil wants you to believe. But I want to show you some examples. I want to show you a prophet, a man of God that was anointed, how he had to fight his emotions and his feelings. I want to show you a king, David, a man after God's own heart. How he had to deal with negative thoughts. Depression that wanted to grip his heart. Something that's very real. Sometimes you feel high and sometimes you feel low. You feel down. I'm a Christian. I don't feel anything. I'm fine. Talking nonsense, man. You're not Jesus. We're trying to be like Jesus. I also have negative thoughts. One of the most liberating revelations that I heard in a sermon of my father in the Lord is when he told people one day, he says, I also have negative thoughts. He says, but I've trained my heart to replace a negative thought with the word of God. I don't accept that negative thought. So I also have negative thoughts. But I've trained my heart to replace a negative thought 
So when the enemy says you're going to go under, you say, no, I'm going to go over. When the enemy says you're the tail, you say, no, I'm the head. Let me show you. 1 Kings 19 verse 1. And I have told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Now what he had done is, he had called down fire from heaven, and after that he had killed 400 of their prophets. That's what he had done. And the whole nation had turned back to God. That's what he had done. So they were upset. Can you imagine? God told him, do this. He put water over the altar. After the bold prophets the whole day tried to light the altar with fire, nothing happened. Elijah came in the confidence and the boldness of the Lord. He threw water over the altar that it was soaked. And he asked God to answer with fire and God answered with fire. After that, he killed himself 400 prophets of Baal. One man against 400. Can you imagine that confidence, that boldness? What God did that day. And I have told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, his focus went off from what God had said to what the messenger brought to him. When he saw that, can you imagine what high you must be? Can you imagine we, we stand right near and we pray and we ask God for fire to come down and fire comes down and lights the altar? You'd think nothing is impossible. If God can answer with fire from heaven, what is there that God cannot do? And one message to this man's heart grips his heart that he runs. Turn to the person next to you and say, prophets are only human. They are men of God, but they have emotions. They have feelings. Tell them, I have feelings. Now tell the person, God loves me just as much as any of his prophets. Some of you need to hear this. Some of, this, some of you have to say this to the person next to you. Some of you have to say it to yourself more than anything else. And he arose and he ran for his life and went to Bathsheba. Can you imagine? He's got fire from heaven. He's just killed 400 prophets. And now he runs because one woman tells him, I'm going to kill you. Which belongs to Judah and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life for I'm no better than my father's. Have you prayed a prayer like that and said, Lord, just kill me. Lord, I think it's better if you just come and take me. But look at this here. A prophet saying, Lord, just kill me. <laughs> but as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked and there by the head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him. And said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went into the strength 
of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in the place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. I am left, and they seek to take my life. The one minute he's doing something great for God. And he takes his focus off God. And he hears the message that strikes fear in his heart. And he runs. When you've been at a place where God has done something great. And now suddenly it feels like everything is falling apart. That you want to run away. You're at a place of hopelessness where you say, God just kill me. Family, listen to me. The first thing that he did is he separated himself. Found that place of rest. Remember what God says. God says, the peace that I've given you is not the same peace of this world. It's a peace that comes from heaven. It's a peace that's on the inside of your heart. Get to that place of rest in your heart so that you can hear God's voice. There is even reasoning with God. He says, kill me. God strengthens him with food. In a time when you feel weak, when you feel down, this is the food that you need. The word of God. When God gives you instruction, you'll know what to do. As a matter of fact, he finds himself in a position there where he says, I must be the only one that's standing for God. And now they just want to kill me. I'm doing the right thing, but now they want to kill me. Suddenly, Jesus said this in Matthew 24. He says, in the last days, they're going to persecute you. They're going to hate you. They're going to want to throw you into prison. So don't get all emotional when it happens. It's an unchangeable event. God has said this will happen. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's certain unchangeable events. Tell them, if you want to do the will of God, and please your father, there are certain unchangeable events. Jesus himself prayed and said, Father, if it's any way possible that this cup can pass me by, let it pass me by. Let not my will be done. Your will be done, my Father. There are certain unchangeable events, but in the end it will glorify the name of Jesus. God warned him and said to him, this journey, this assignment is far greater than what you can handle. You need me in this or it will destroy you. You need to keep your focus on me or you'd want to run away. Can you imagine the one day calling fire down from heaven, killing 400 and now running because of one message? He had an expectation that God should have dealt with her as well, but now he is running. Family, listen to me. Be very careful of unrealistic expectations. False, unrealistic expectations. Because they will cause an offense in your heart. Of what you think God should do. And God starts speaking to him. And if you read further, he heard God's voice. He first heard it like a thunder. 
storm. Then he heard the soft, quiet voice. God speaks in that place of peace. He says, here is what's going to happen. Go and anoint these two kings. Go and anoint the king of Israel. Go and anoint the king of Syria. And go and anoint the prophet that will come after you. God's way is not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And he says, let me empower these people. Because if you try and fight this thing from a natural point of view, you're going to lose. But let me empower you. You're my anointed servant. Go and anoint these kings. And who these kings don't kill and deal with, Elisha will deal with it. Family, the hard sore thing is, this man of God should have dealt with everything. But because he ran, because he took a step back, only the next generation, Elisha, only dealt with Jezebel. It's God's presence that makes the difference. This is the year with the difference. Your struggles, your challenges that you are facing, don't try and fight, fight them in the natural. The Bible teaches us it's anxiety in the heart of man that causes depression. Fear, worrying about the future, meditating upon those things. David understood something about this. His heart was full of God, full of righteousness. But sometimes he battled with thoughts. He would talk to himself. He would say, oh my soul, why are you so downcast? He was saying, why are you so depressed? Because in my heart, I know the promise that God has given me. Then he would say, you listen to me, soul. We're still going to praise God. We're still going to say thank you, Jesus, for what he has promised. Let's start saying thank you, Jesus, now already. You're not believing me. Turn in your Bibles. Let me show you. Psalm 42 verse 5. Why are you downcast, O my soul, and why are you disquiet within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Family, listen to me. Young people, listen to me. One of the things that grip young people's hearts so quickly is because they've got such high unrealistic expectations. They want, you want to be famous at the age of 23. Because you see some Hollywood person wrote one song, got a hit, made millions, and now you want to be him. And these unrealistic expectations that I should be here by this age, and now it does not happen, causes depression in your heart. You feel like a failure. But you shouldn't feel like a failure. That feeling comes from unrealistic expectations that you have, that you've placed upon yourself. Comparing yourself to others and now you don't feel worthy or good enough because you're looking at somebody else instead of looking to Jesus. Anguish of heart in your spirit is something that's very real. Sometimes when people are praying, you can hear where that place where they are praying from is a place of hurt, desperation. When Hannah was praying, the Bible describes it as bitterness of soul. She was saying, God, where's my child? Where's my child? 
You could hear it. God was aware of it. Don't you the person next you say emotions are very real. Even the Israelites on their way to the promised land. Remember they had to go through the wilderness. And they got discouraged. Don't give up when you're in the wilderness. There's a promised land waiting for you. The Israelites got discouraged when they were in the wilderness. Almost got too tough for them. God will see you through. Am I helping some people here this morning? I know it's not God's going to bless you. You're a millionaire next week. But I'm showing you the path not to give up that you can get to the promised land. Amen. Numbers 21. In your journey to the promised land, don't become discouraged. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. Family, pace yourself. So young people, listen to me. Don't say, I want to be famous by 23. Or I want to be the supervisor or the manager by 27 or 30. Rather set a higher goal. Say, by 40 or 45, I want to be the MD. And pace yourself and work towards that. And if God graces you to do that at a younger age, you can say, thank you, Jesus. But don't through your unrealistic expectations make you feel down and make you feel like you cannot accomplish anything because you've just created unrealistic expectations. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. I know many people that couldn't go and study, that started working and saved up some money and then started studying part-time. Find a way. Ask God, what is the way? But don't compare yourself to others and get discouraged. Am I helping some of you? All trees grow. The trees that grow actually too quickly is not very good wood. The best trees grow a little bit slower. That's the wood that you want. All trees grow. All trees grow. Opportunity and chance comes to everybody. But if you have unrealistic expectations, you're going to be playing with your emotions. Be careful because the devil can use situations and circumstances to make you feel down. To control your emotions. Young people, listen to me. When you're at school, it's time to study. Your body is not ready for emotions of relationship and love. You're going to confuse yourself. And when you're supposed to study and focus upon your maths, you're not thinking, oh, Johnny, oh, Tabu, oh, we're going to be so happy one day. I wonder how many children we're going to have. Oh, he's going to, he loves me so much. What car is he going to buy me? I wonder. And the next minute he says, I don't want to be with you anymore. He says, oh no, what about the car you promised me? There was no car. You were dreaming it. There were no children. You're not supposed to have children at that age. Hello? 
And you've put yourself on this emotional roller coaster that shouldn't even be there. If you just kept your focus on your studies. But now you sit with a hurt from your past. And you meet the right husband or the right wife. And you're supposed to love them the way that God wants. Tabu, Tabu, Tabu hurt me so much. My heart is with Tabu. You're laughing, but you know what I'm talking about. And you say, if I just stayed single when I was at school. And you know God wanted you to do something. But now you're doing what you were supposed to be doing when you were younger. You're doing it when you are older. But you don't understand the time and seasons. Ladies, the Bible says, he who finds a wife, finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. He will find you. Stop hunting them. David, he's king, he's anointed, and he's distressed. He's saying, I'm anointed, Lord, but why is Saul trying to kill me? He says, I'm trying to do right. I walk in righteousness, and all these people that are doing unrighteousness, they are blessed. They want to kill me. They're saying, where's his God? When people say, where's your God? Don't let your heart get heavy. David said, even if my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Those that are the closest to me, if they abandon me, my God will take care of me. He said, I would have lost heart if I would not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He says, what I believed in my heart, I would have lost heart if I would listened to my thoughts. If I had been focusing on what I'm seeing, I would have lost heart. He says, but I believed in my heart that God is good and that God would see me through. And God was faithful to the end. 1 Samuel 1 verse 10. Listen here. A mother praying. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And Hannah was in distress of soul. Praying to the Lord and weeping bitterly. David, 1 Samuel 30 verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. And every man for his son and for his daughter. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. You know that story David went they stole you, the wives, the children, everybody. When they came back, they said, David, you did this. We're going to kill you. You know, sometimes as a leader, as a pastor, as a father, as the king and the priest, everybody can turn against you. David, as the leader, they were against him. But he went and strengthened himself in the Lord. He spoke to himself. He says, oh, my soul, why are you so cast down? If you're feeling down, go strengthen yourself in the Lord. Go hear what God is saying about your situation. Find your calm space, that peace on the inside, and keep this peace. Amen? Emotions are going to be there. Faith is not a feeling. 
faith is not a feeling. Even if you're going through a tough time, your faith is not a feeling. Believe that God is faithful and that God will see you through. Are you feeling a little bit better to know that a prophet ran away and felt like dying? A king who was the apple of God's eye said, when I read things like this, it gives me hope. Amen? Gives me hope. You think that this man of God went through this? Family, listen to me. Let me tell you something else. Many of you are battling with emotional instability and immaturity of what people have said about you. You know what the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes? Don't take everything to heart what people have said about you because you yourself have also said things about them. Pastor, you don't know what they said. No, first come and tell me what you've said about them. That's the Bible. Amen? No, 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 no. But they've said this. No, no, no. What have you said? You've also said something. Because you were emotional. If Jesus was emotional, every time you say, I'm not going to be a Christian anymore. Now finish with this Christian stuff. Say this Jesus stuff really works. Oh, you've prayed for me, but nothing has changed. Is that not being led by your emotions? Let me see your hand if I'm talking to the right people here. So faith is not a feeling. That's why your faith is up and your faith is leaned down. Because you're allowing emotions to lead you and to guide you. I'm closing with this. Stress will never go away. That means your emotions are always going to be there. 75% of diseases are related to stress. So you worrying is half of the problem, your sickness. Jesus said, just come to me. If you're heavy laden, if the burden is too much, come to me. He didn't say fast. He didn't say read through your Bible. He said, come to me. Because when you come to Jesus, Jesus will touch you. When you come to Jesus, he will show you what is the way out. The fact that you are forgiven means you have peace. If you have peace here and you know that God has forgiven you, forgive those that have wronged you. Because that's where most of our emotional instability comes from, is hurts from the past. Offenses from the past. Disappointments from the past. Bitterness from the past. Because when we talk, we can hear it. What you are saying, we can hear it. Blaming other people for how you are feeling. I'm bitter because they hurt me. I'm offended because they did that. I'm upset because they said that. I'm doing this because I heard that. And you're led by your emotions and not by the Spirit of God. Colossians 2 verse 13. 
And you, being dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he is made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Turn to the person next to you and say, your past is over. Tell them again, say, your past is over. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Your past is over. Come here quickly, my beautiful wife. I'm going to allow you to preach now to me. Who of you think that in the past we have had disagreements? Who of you think would advise me now on her birthday when we go out to talk about those things of the past? You think that will be a good idea? You think it's going to make a day happy? You think it's going to end in a beautiful day? But if we talk about the good things that God has planned for us, I think we can dream about it. Maybe I can buy that car. What do you think about that? Looking to the future, Jesus is a tomorrow thinker. The devil will remind you of your past. God does not consult your past in determining your good future. But the reason why many people cannot move forward, if I now go to lunch with her thinking about the wrongs, or she goes to lunch thinking about the wrongs, it's an accident waiting to happen. Because we're meditating upon the wrong things. Am I right? You're all saying amen. Okay, now I want to say the same about you. In your own life, you focusing upon the hurts of the past, the pain of the past, is the very thing keeping you back from being happy. Does it mean in the future that we're never going to have a disagreement? No. There's going to be a disagreement. But now we can keep our emotions stable. We can mature in our emotions knowing that's not a good thing to do, a good thing to say. You know, everybody's got a red button. You know your wife has got a red button. And you yourself, you've got a red button. And your husband has a red button as well. I have a red button as well. My wife knows what my red button is and I know what is her red button. It's very simple. For your emotions to be constant, to be mature, keep the peace here. If there's anything that wants to disturb the peace here, men, listen to me. Listen to me. Your house can be more emotionally stable if you leave your father and your mother and you are joined to your wife, is what the Bible says. So what does that mean? You start to act like a man. As the king and the priest who have Jesus, who has said to you, it's very easy, Here's the husband and here's the wife. The husband is a type of Christ and the wife is a type of the church. So husband, it's very easy. The way you talk to your wife representing Jesus Christ, will you be happy if Jesus talks to you in that way? And the wife... The way you talk to your husband, will you feel comfortable to talk to Jesus in that way? That's what Jesus said. He said, 
It's very simple. You want to keep the peace. Husband is like Jesus. Wife is like the body of Christ. Now let's be more like Jesus. And let's be more like Christians. And things will change and we will have peace. Colossians 3 verse 8. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. That's how you behaved before you were joined to Christ. You once were characterized by your evil deeds. Now you're characterized by good deeds. You once were characterized by evil deeds, but now it's time to eliminate them from your lives once and for all. Anger, fits of rage, all forms of hatred, cursing, filthy speech and lying. Now that you've embraced new creation life as the true reality, lay aside your old Adam self with its masquerade and disguise. For your new creation life is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the full revelation of God in this new creation life. Your nationality makes no difference. All your ethnicity Your education or economic status, they matter nothing. For it is Christ that means everything as he lives in every one of us. So she's got an Italian-English background. And I've got an Afrikaans-Burki background. (laughs) Hashtag stubborn. (laughs) Got your young people. It's saying there, who I think I am, my nationality, my culture. It says, if you really want to make this work, lay that aside and adopt a Christ culture. Yes, I'm still going to do certain things in a certain way because that's the way my parents raised me. I acknowledge that. I can acknowledge that she's English. She's got Italian. She can acknowledge where I come from. But we embrace a Christ culture. Some of our biggest fights in the beginning when we got saved is we came from two different churches. So most of our arguments was, my pastor says, my pastor says, my pastor says, my pastor says. Have you had those kind of arguments? That's why stay in the same church. Then it's your pastor says. Amen. It's one argument less. But embrace that Christ culture. Acknowledge who she is and where she's coming from. Acknowledge what she is feeling. How she sees things. What's her paradigm on certain things. And where we have to change, we can change on that. Don't get all emotional and say, you don't understand me. Christ listens to understand. He knows what we are going through. Amen? Feel what she's feeling and she will feel what you are feeling. I'm talking to the men now. Amen? Sometimes men just miss it. We don't see it. But sometimes we need her. She is your helper, is what the Bible says. So sometimes you're going to need her help. Sometimes she's going to be the one to say, you know what, it's better to handle it this way with the children. If I then want to have a stubborn mindset and get all emotional, trying to correct me, don't you know I'm the head of the house? I can miss something very precious. That's why we have to be led by the Holy Spirit. She's got God's presence on the inside of her, and I've got God's presence on the inside of me. 
she's a daughter of the Most High, and I'm a son of the Most High. So now we can be aware of God's presence, the way we communicate to each other, talk to each other. I'm number one aware of God's presence that's with me, but also God's presence that's with her. Now you won't get so emotional because you know Jesus is with you and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision. If you say, I don't feel like forgiving them, you still have to grow in emotional maturity. It's a decision. Make that decision to forgive and to let go of the past. Your thinking, once you have forgiven and forgotten, your meditation will not be upon the things of the past, but you'll be able to start to meditate upon the things that God has planned for you in the future. Then you will know the thoughts that He has towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. But while you are looking back the whole time, you're just thinking pain. You're thinking disappointment. You're thinking fighting. Forgive and let go. And allow God to reveal to you the good things of the future. That's why a Joseph, after he met with his brothers, he could say, don't say you've done all of this. If he had not forgiven them and he was looking at the past, he would have killed them. But because he had forgiven them, he said, don't say you did this. God was busy working in my life, taking me from where I am to where God wanted me to be. See you later. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.